obviously launching is a big deal. So the pre-launch, you know, making sure that there's hype about what you're going to be offering in terms of a service or a product is massive. Even if you're still like a couple months away, the buildup is really, really important. But through that um, comes organic marketing. And so what I learned, um, and it was a little bit of a mistake from launching StaffNet, we spent a good budget on marketing and we could have really focused on a lot of organic marketing instead and paying zero dollars because since having spent that marketing budget, you know, I wanted to experiment because that's what you do in business, try until it works. And if it doesn't work, you move on to the next thing. So um, yeah, with the organic marketing, it's really interesting because we've actually gained so much more traction and a lot more revenue with spending zero dollars on marketing versus the paid advertising. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great uh, guest on the podcast, uh, Jenna uh, Jung, and I'm probably, I, I Zang. Thing? Yeah, Zang, you got it. You all got right. It. I was messed up the first time. I'm like, oh, that's all right. All right. Yeah. Jenna Zang. And uh, Jenna is uh, went into or went to high school in Ottawa, um, didn't love high school and uh, did go to uni- or university for a bit and then switched over to um, a, a shorter college experience and then worked in the long-term care facility for a period of time um, after college and uh, worked with the Alzheimer's ward and um, found the, that rewarding as a career, but not, or was hard on the body. So decided to go back to school and uh, went into pre or pre health sciences, I think it was, um, and uh, worked towards uh, becoming a nurse. Um, also worked uh, part time as uh, sales in the Good Life Gym. Uh, found she liked sales and um, also met her future uh, future business partner there. Um, and uh, during that, while working at the gyms, had a, a clean or had a cleaner at the gym. They didn't do a good job. Left the the gym dirty saw a business opportunity to uh, do that uh, with the business partner um, and then realized uh, or then got that going, managed to realize managing employees was hard. Um, and so went and worked on the back end of the business. And uh, that was about a year and a half ago and has built a platform to uh, help to manage all that. So with that much as an introduction and uh, hopefully mostly accurate, welcome on the podcast, Jenna. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I took a much longer journey and tried to condense in the 30, uh, 30 second version or 45 seconds, however long it was. Uh, but with that, why don't we unpack it a bit and tell us how your journey got started uh, going to high school in Ottawa? Yeah, so um, I was never much of a student um, and uh, I skipped lots of classes. I didn't really love school just because it wasn't my style of learning. I was more hands-on, which, you know, at the time I didn't know I was a young kid and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so I went through high school in Ottawa. Um, I left Ottawa for a little bit to pursue just working for a little bit and then came back to Ottawa for a university didn't love that you know there was a lecture hall of 300 kids and I would try and talk to the professor they'd be like talk to my TA and I really had an issue because I just couldn't understand or grasp things from just learning from a textbook it was very hands-on so then I switched over to college quickly thereafter Um, I went to Algonquin College here in Ottawa took pre-health sciences because I thought oh I'm going to be a nurse because I was already PSW and working in long-term care facilities 
um, just realized it was really hard. My body was shift work um, and basically just wasn't the avenue for me, but I did know that I wanted to help people. That was really what filled my cup. Um, so in the mission of trying to help others and stuff like that, I soon found a job in sales at um, one of the global gyms here in Canada called Good Life. And um, one thing that I think we'd hit on just that, uh, or that, I, that I believe we talked about before the podcast and we jumped over a bit was you, you know, so you work, you're working in long-term uh, care facilities, rewarding work, but it's not, a, it's hard on the body. And so you can't do it forever or may not want to do it forever. Yeah. Um, so I think that you started, or as you had that realization, you went back to school for a period of time and was the working at the gym paying for school or was that after school or how to, or help me clarify on that or that front? Yeah. So I was working at the gym while I was going to school. So kind of both were happening at the same time. So it was a really busy period of my life because I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do this, like obviously to make money, um, to pay for school and whatnot, because I didn't have a scholarship or anything at the time. And then I was going to school also full-time. So it was craziness. So I thought, okay, well, I want to be a nurse, but then I also want to help people. So I got the job that was I guess, easiest to me at the time, because I was always in the gym anyways. Um, and so it just made sense. So yeah, I did both at the same time, graduated, then continued on with the gym because um, to continue on to become a nurse um, through the program that I was in, there was a bridging program. So then you'd have to go on to the next program. And I was kind of at an impasse. I just realized, okay, I'm, I don't know that I really want to continue this way. I had friends that were fantastic or fantastic nurses and they still are to this day, but there's just a lot of wear and tear on the body, long shifts and stuff like that. So I thought I'm going to think about it a little bit more before A, I pay for more school and B, I really commit to doing this in the long term, right? So it's a long-term career. You can have many careers, but you know, I would want it for a few years and whatnot. So yeah, I stuck with the gym for a little bit. Um, and I did some different jobs in the gym. Sales was my main job, but you know, I helped it with admin work when people were not at the front desk because somebody was sick, I would help out at the front desk. So for me, that was a really fun job just because you were constantly interacting with people. And I love that because that's again, what fills my cup, what energizes me. I feed off of other people's energy. So I realized quickly that I loved being around people and I loved sales and through sales, I could help people change their lifestyle. And it was really interesting with the job. We had to go out into the street and literally meet you. You're like, Hey, my name's Jenna. What's your name? You'd be like, I'm Devin. Hey, uh, are you a part of a gym? Do you want to come in and try this three-day pass, blah, blah, blah. And we had ways to get you to come in and lure you essentially. But um, it was really interesting because I didn't think it was going to work. I'm like, someone's going to want to come with me, this little short girl to the gym and come learn how to work out. And sure enough, um, my sales are really, really great. So I realized, okay, like I'm kind of good at this. I have a knack for it. And I would have never thought that I was the salesy type because you associate sleazy and stuff like that with that. Um, so yeah, I started with sales um, where I was working in sales, I should say. And then um, we found an opportunity because with doing sales, you know, I'm trying to market the gym. I'm trying to sell myself and sell the gym as well because they have to pay a membership as well. And um, the gym was dirty. It was disgusting sometimes. So I was cleaning up. My associates were cleaning up as well too. So we were kind of doing the job for the cleaners that we were paying a good amount of money every month. And because I saw the admin side of the gym, I was seeing how much they were getting paid. And it was, it was pretty mind boggling. So I thought, okay, well, we're paying these people. They're not doing a quality job. You know, obviously there's kind of, there's maybe an area where we can kind of 
work a business in here kind of. And so my associate at the time had the same idea or it was initially his idea, I should say. And then I kind of jumped on board and I was like, yeah, let's do it. So, um, you know, with a few hundred dollars and stuff like that, we decided to haphazardly start a business essentially. And um, we worked closely with the business that procured the um, contract for the gym, but we didn't end up getting the gym eventually just because that was just way too big for us. But that's pretty much how our cleaning journey started. And we started gaining contracts um, with other small commercial businesses and residential businesses. And so initially it started with me and my partner, Dwayne. We branched out to a few um, employees and stuff like that, but it was very, very mom and pop shop, like very, very small to begin with. And um, yeah, slowly through networking on LinkedIn and stuff like that, it was really interesting. We were able to branch out and expand our business. And while doing that, I was still working at the gym. So, um, you know, we're working two jobs. We're building this brand new business and still working in sales. After that, um, I moved to the federal government for Canada here and I worked that full time. And so I was still growing the cleaning business. And so working eight hours a day and then running the cleaning business on the side was a lot to manage. And at this point we had a few more employees. So, you know, I wasn't necessarily on the front end of things. I was definitely on the back end, but through never getting a business degree, really not knowing the ins and outs of business and how to run one effectively, we fail, we learned through failure, I should say, uh, fail forward. We soon realized that the back end items really took up the majority of my time to run the business. So I soon became the back end of things and Dwayne was the front end operations. And so I was basically spending every single night, every single weekend working to catch up on all my tasks to run my business, to make sure we were staying up to date, you know, with payroll, with taxes, with inventory, following up with clients, making sure everything is running smoothly, email, all that stuff. And it was a lot. And so, um, especially being a small business, the fluctuation of cash, we had to be really, really cognizant of what was coming in and what was going out and always being able to pay our employees on time. That was my number one rule. We always had to pay our employees on time. So um, yeah, basically that was really hard to manage everything. And then be, being able to manage everything, we had several different platforms to track things and it was costly. So that's where, again, we saw another opportunity for business, but it wasn't initially a business idea to market. Initially, it was for us because with the business, with the cleaning business, we kept everything in the business in terms of revenue. So we were working on sweat equity. You know, I had my full-time job already. I was good. I didn't need to be paid out. Same thing with Dwayne. So we kept all the money in the business, just thinking of reinvesting it some way, somehow down the road. We weren't sure in what. So then with the issues of running the back end, we were just, it was a pain point. And so um, with that friction, we basically were talking one day, we kind of joked like, oh, we could do it better again, like the cleaning business. And um, we knew developers in Toronto, Canada here. We were chatting with them one day and um, Lamar is the head developer. He goes, I could build that for you. I could build you a platform with everything that you need, all of your features. And so Obviously, this caught our attention. We said, okay, we'll build us a wireframe, a framework of what it could look like. We sent him all of the features that we'd need to have, and he put it together, gave us a price, and then we created StaffNet. But initially, it didn't have a name because it was just going to be for our cleaning business to be able to manage everything that I needed, the ins and outs. 
I tried other platforms before because there's definitely competition out there for us, but nothing really jived well with what I needed in terms of automation to be able to run things on the back end with me being removed from the situation. Because the main issue was if I wasn't here, then nobody else would really know what to do. So we really wanted to automate things, which um, for any business owner is a must have, right? Um, now, and then from the question just on that, because it sounds like and not putting words in your mouth, but putting words in your mouth, you know, when you were building it, was it a, was the original intent that it was more of you're building it for your internal purpose that makes your ability to manage and run the business, you know, more easily or, were, you know, from the get go where you say, no, I see an opportunity. This is something that if I need it, other people are going to need it and let's, you know, let's build it and sell it kind of, you know, as you were venturing into building the software to help or to facilitate the business kind of how did it fall, which camp did it fall into? The first. So it was just for us initially, like I said. So it was like, okay, well, this is just what we need to run the back end. It didn't have a name or anything. It was just our software. And then a year into developing it in 2021, we were like, hmm, um, there might be a market for this, actually. If this is a pain point for us, this could be a pain point for others. And so, like I mentioned before, it's costly to have so many subscriptions and stuff like that. And with the scheduling platform that we were using at the time, there was a rate that you paid. And on top of that, you paid per employee. It was expensive. And if, especially with the fluctuation of employees, such a high turnover job, the service industry in general, we constantly didn't know what our bill would be, right? So it was really hard to budget and manage that. So for us, I said, okay, well, there's a market for this for sure. And we did our research and stuff like that. And it's pretty competitive. But then our edge was we were the first flat rate scheduling app. And so you know exactly what your rate is going to be every single month and it's not going to change or alter and it's not going to falter you or penalize you from growing your business. And so that was the area that we wanted to come from to help serve and help that pain point as well. And so pretty much StaffNet evolved, went through so many weird different names when we decided to market it and we fell onto um, StaffNet and that's pretty much how it just happened. No, and that, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, and it's interesting, we're actually working on software for the, the law firm here. And it was really one where it started out and it was a long process, a lot more involved, a lot of features. So a bit of a different iteration, but it was really the genesis of, hey, I hate all the other software out here. It doesn't work very well. None of us actually, you know, most of us don't use it. And it's really just one person in the office that kind of manages it all. And then we all have our own systems and why can't we do something better? And it was kind of out of that genesis of, hey, why don't we build something for ourselves? And then as we've gotten into it, it's now, hey, this would be something that I think it would solve the, the problem for that. So it's always interesting. A lot of times the invention is, is or innovation is, is, hey, I'm going to do it. I'm building it for myself and then it's other people may use it. So now is, you know, bring us up a bit to where you're at today. If you launched it, you're selling it, you're getting ready to launch it, pre-launch, kind of where's it at and kind of, you know, how's it gone so far? Yeah, so, so far so good. I should have mentioned before when we initially decided to like market it, we did a beta test first to see if there was interest, right? So we did the beta test for about six months, um, went really, really well. And um, how I got beta testers was actually when on LinkedIn and I just messaged people. There is a lot of spam on LinkedIn. So there was quite a bit of um, pushback sometimes, but creating those networks and connections and stuff like that definitely helped to be able to foster the beta program. And we got a really, really good clientele in there. Um, we 
helped help mainly the service sector begin with. And then from there, um, the beta test went to launch in October of 2021. And so, uh, yeah, we launched, it was, it was pretty big. It was really, really exciting. It was a huge undertaking and kind of more than I had expected, which is like the best thing possible, but quite overwhelming when you're just entering the tech world and really never thought you'd dive into the tech world. And so, um, yeah, really interesting so far. So we're about six months in so far, and um, it's been really fun overall to be able to build that. And we're constantly re-innovating, making features better and whatnot. So the job is never done, which I've come to realize much like your software and app, you know, you start adding features and then you take things away because, well, we don't really need that. And this would work better here. So it's constantly reworking it. And so, um, it's just really fun overall to date. And so we've helped over 100 customers and we have a freemium account, which is something that we're really proud of to be able to help really small businesses um, be able to grow their business and not have to pay anything at all and have the features that they need to be able to utilize to schedule their employees, run their business effectively and organize themselves and automate as well. And then with the paid programs, we've had a lot of success as well, mainly um, in the medium business category. So about like... Um, three to 25 employees is where we see the most customers overall. Sounds like an exciting time and uh, definitely it's been a great launch so far. So look forward to seeing how it goes. So, yeah. well, now as we've kind of caught up into the, the present day and even uh, uh, hearing a little bit about uh, hopefully where it's going to go and uh, continue to, to take off, um, arrives at a great place that I always ask two questions at the end of each podcast. So, or end of each episode and the, the, the present day of each journey. So with that, we'll dive or jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Um, so I'd say in the cleaning business, uh, I'm pretty relaxed overall. So like in terms of leadership I'm not an aggressive leader and I'm like coming down on you and kind of um, micromanaging and all that and same thing with Dwayne we're both pretty relaxed which is not the greatest sometimes when you're both in leadership positions within the business and so um, not that we're not assertive but I'd say we were just pretty easygoing about things and so there was definitely a lack of structure when we started the cleaning business because um, you know we didn't create enough structure for the employees to have to follow certain procedures and processes we, like we didn't have SOPs in place and stuff like that and we gave them kind of autonomy over their schedule and we just like were a little bit loose on the reins and so that really backfired on us ultimately because um, we were taken advantage of and rightfully so because these employees like they weren't super invested in our company. They essentially just wanted a paycheck at the end of the day. And the fact that we were just kind of letting them run free and do what they want with the job and whatnot, you know, definitely backfired. We lost some clients initially. And when you're first starting, you know, building up that brand name and recognition, it's big, it's huge, right? So that was really hard and definitely probably one of the worst mistakes we've made. And since then, we've definitely ran a much tighter ship. Um, you know, we're both still pretty relaxed, but we definitely have procedures and processes in place um, and different standards to adhere to. So that's one thing that I would definitely recommend any small to mean business to make sure you have in place prior to hiring employees. 
Uh, you know, and it's one of those where I think that a lot of times, and probably in a good way, in a lot of ways, you go into a business naive, but a lot of times, you know, as an owner or founder, you just figure, hey, everybody's going to work hard. They're going to do their own thing. I don't need to manage them. I don't need to have systems in place because they're all going to do good, you know, those type of things. And then you get into it and you find out, hey, not everybody's invest is invested in this business. Some of them, it is just say, hey, I want to hear for a paycheck or, you know, it's, if I can get away with it, I'm going to, and you have to really figure out who, you know, what type of employees you want, what kind of systems and how you're going to have accountable. And it's just one of those, I think that oftentimes until you get into it, you don't really learn. And then you kind of get why sometimes when you were the on the employee end, why your boss is the way they are, because they've had to deal with a lot of the different employees and a lot of, or set up a lot of those systems. So I think that that's definitely a, a great, uh, easy mistake to make, but a great one to learn from. Yeah. And it's hard not to become, sorry to cut you off, but it's hard not to become jaded too, because, you know, certain things happen to you and you don't want to um, basically assume somebody else is going to do the exact same thing because they have the same personality or the same actions kind of have taken place. You know, you don't want to read a book by its cover necessarily. And that can be really hard sometimes doing interviews, for example, because, oh, I've seen this before. Okay, so you're a little bit hesitant about certain personalities. Um, and then, you know, overall, I think just, yeah, just not being jaded is just really, really hard. <laughs> it's difficult to navigate, especially just not prejudging people. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with, you know, it is hard to get, in a sense, you know, you become jaded. And it's kind of like, in a different sense of, you know, I do a lot of uh, talking and, and helping startups and small businesses of which I love and enjoy. And yet there's sometimes where I can, I can tell where the conversation is going in the first 10 seconds of this isn't going to be someone we're going to help out with. They're looking for free advice. They have zero or zero desire to use our services. And yet on the same hand, I still, you know, I have to remind myself, but I'm here to help startups and small businesses. And even if they're not going to use our services, even if I've answered this question before, this is the first time they're going through it and they don't know that, you know, that this may not be a good fit. And so I think it's kind of that you build up some jadedness and a lot of different aspects, but it's kind of one where you kind of have to have that constant reminder as to why you're doing it and why not to become jaded. So I think that's a great one. Yeah. Second, second question I always ask is, is now if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, obviously launching is a big deal. So the pre-launch, you know, making sure that there's hype about what you're going to be offering in terms of a service or a product is massive. Even if you're still like a couple months away, the buildup is really, really important, but through that, um, comes organic marketing. And so what I learned, um, and it was a little bit of a mistake from launching StaffNet, we spent a good budget on marketing and we could have really focused on a lot of organic marketing instead and paying zero dollars because since having spent that marketing budget, you know, I wanted to experiment because that's what you do in business, try until it works. And if it doesn't work, you move on to the next thing. So um, yeah, with the organic marketing, it's really interesting because we've actually gained so much more traction and a lot more revenue with spending $0 on marketing versus the paid advertising. And so we did the radio ads, we did Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and all those things are great and cool. And they did bring in revenue. 
but since doing that, you know, we've been focusing on um, content creation. So that would be our social media. So we have the team that does that. And it's nothing crazy. And we recycle content constantly. So it's not like it's super hard or extensive. And then we have blogging and SEO, which are really important as well to boost our Google ranking. Um, you know, we definitely have um, the guest posting as well. So that would be um, writing articles for the blog, which we already have, and then posting it to any online publications. And so short tailing that back to the website has gained um, just recognition for our brand and stuff like that. Um, having subscriptions on our website, people opting in for our newsletter. So they're constantly seeing us come up and we've gained cold leads to warm leads through that as well. You know, hosting or getting on a podcast, hosting one or guesting is really, really important. Um, and yeah, I just say overall networking on um, LinkedIn has been really, really great as well. I think there's a lot of uh, great, and, I, and I'd put the takeaway is there's a lot of ways to market, build your business, and it doesn't always mean you have to just go do paid advertising. Not that there isn't a place sometimes for business, yeah. not that it can't be beneficial, but that's often where I think everybody thinks is a magic bullet. Oh, I'll just go and pay for Google ads, or I'm going to go pay for Facebook ads, and you can burn a lot of money sometimes wow. on that and not have a lot of return. One, because you don't, may not know what you're doing or you may not have the right person in place or it may not be right for your business. And there's sometimes a lot better and lower hanging fruit that can have a better return. So I think that, uh, you know, thinking about the ways that you can market, use content, leverage other avenues is definitely beneficial to, to anybody getting into a business. So yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, now as we, as we uh, wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to buy your software, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, so our website is promo.staffnet.ca. Um, and so that's just our promotional page right now. And then we have um, our email, so info at staffnet.ca that we can always be reached at. And I'm usually on the other end, if not one of our team members will respond within 24 hours. And then on Instagram at staffnet um, underscore. So we can be reached at all of those places. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect, and uh, support a great business, especially if you need help managing, cleaning your business, or cleaning your gym, or your business. Maybe. <laughs> um, so with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, leave a review, because we want to make sure that everyone finds out about all these awesome journeys. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Jenna, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you.